Bonjour everyone, you're listening to I Just Want to Read the Podcast. I'm your host, Jean-Philippe. All right, so today I'm really excited because we have a special guest who's a TV personality and seafood expert, Michael Ann Rowe. Hello, Michael Ann. Hello, Jean-Philippe. Very nice to be with you. Thank you. Yes, indeed. Thank you for being with us. I'm, I'm really excited because today we're going to talk about seafood. But before we start, can you tell us a bit more about you? Sure, sure. Well, I'm a Canadian. And I moved to New York City in 1992, seems like a lifetime ago. But uh, I'm actually a theater major who loves seafood, <laughs> a theater major who loves seafood. And so my career, if you, would, if you could say, has is, is grown organically by using both my theater or stage experience with my love for seafood and seafood education. Okay, how, how so do you... Yeah, please. Go ahead. I was going to say that is it in a nutshell, but there's there's a lot to that. But um, we will we will continue. Okay. So how did you start with seafood? Do you remember the first time you tried seafood? <laughs> well, being from Canada, Atlantic Canada actually, and brought up in the province of New Brunswick, seafood is all around us. So we have amazing seafood from the province. And I went to, to university in Nova Scotia. So just being from Atlantic Canada alone uh, merits much, much high quality, beautiful seafood. So I've been eating seafood since I've been really young and actually going to the wharf, you know, the picture, if you can picture, uh, similar to Maine people, you know, uh, Mainers who are lucky enough to live by a body of water. We go down to the wharf and we, the days of, you know, picking out the lobster or the fish um, with the, with the fishermen as they roll in from being out all day fishing. So that is a fond memory. And that is where it all started. Would you say that seafood is your perfect meal? Oh, absolutely. There's so much to do with seafood. It's so easy to cook and it's, um, It's just the go-to, and it's as you get older too. I think you kind of uh, lean up, you you lighten up, I should say, on the heavy proteins like steak and, and chicken and pork, you know. And so, uh, seafood is definitely the go-to uh, alternative, protein alternative that is light and so versatile. Okay, and. So you're teaching about seafood. How, how did you start, you know, talking and teaching about seafood? I understand it's your passion, but to go to the next step, it's, it's really something. Yes, thank you for asking. And actually, thank you for having me again. Uh, it's it's a, an honor to be here. Uh, so it all started when I produced a three-part documentary series uh, called Off the Beaten Palette for PBS. And upon doing so, my first story, I went back to my province and rediscovered the seafood from my province from the south to the north. We traveled for days and I really learned a lot about seafood in my own province that I hadn't learned before. Uh, the crab fishing and the scallop fishing and the herring and uh, oh, just so much. So I realized when I uh, produced that particular show and showcased it on PBS and then showcased it in other areas and brought it to New York and had a show, you know, a premiere event here in New York. 
um, I realized how much people did not learn about, did not know about seafood. And even in my own province, there were people asking questions that really surprised me. And I was like, wow, you know, there is an opportunity here to teach people about seafood. I mean, it's just like, and it's, it just seemed to be organic. And so everything just started pointing more and more and more towards seafood. And I felt like this is an opportunity and I'm going to take advantage of it. So I started to, to get into just really concentrating on seafood and seafood education content. Okay. In fact, we, we met uh, in a class for the promotion of uh, Merachine Bay oysters, but are Canadian yes. oysters. What would you say to someone who never tried oysters? <laughs> well, my first and uh, my first uh, advice is to please, please ask is to please try an oyster. Please try an oyster. And when you have something uh, as fresh and delicious as a Mirachine Bay oyster or an Atlantic Canadian oyster or North American oyster, it's uh, coming from cold waters. That is a very good introduction to an oyster if you've never tasted an oyster before. Um, even if you haven't had an oyster in a while, I would say let's go back and revisit how you're eating that oyster. So first of all, please, please, please try to give oysters uh, um, you know, a chance because number one, they are so healthy for you. They're so healthy. They're loaded with vitamin, vitamins, zinc, vitamins, uh, B12, selenium, vitamin D and iron. And just for the zinc part alone is which, which we know is, um, revs up your libido <laughs> yep. that, you know, that reason alone is all the encouragement any, everyone should, you know, need, <laughs> to eat these beautiful bivalves i mean uh that that's just the first re great reason to eat them but also they're also they're they are versatile you can play with them but as i encourage people to eat them i take them through this process if you'd like me to explain it it's just a little bit of a process of how you okay how you can actually uh get into liking oysters and it's a step-by-step -step process very quick but it's really exploring your palate with them and really exploring the oyster if you will and the meroir which you learned about when you came to the Marachine Bay uh, meroir tasting and that meroir is a description of an oyster as you know uh, Jean-Philippe very well the French came up with this name the meroir it's perfect for an oyster it's describing the oyster uh, where it grows what grows around the oyster the body of water that it grows in and so when you taste an oyster i want you to take the oyster and look at the shell look at it just see it then i want you to bring it up to your nose and i want you to smell the meadowar i want you to smell that ocean flavor and i scent and then i want you to take a little sip of what we call the liquor and that's the oyster juice and that is a sensation that will be your introduction into the oyster it'll allow you to to taste what's about to happen in your mouth when you do take two chews of the oyster never slurp the oyster please 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 i advise all of you if this is uh, your way into the oyster please do not you do not want to slurp the oyster back 
you want to take two chews and you're going to go through, I promise you, you are going to go through an umami tasting. All of these flavors will start to happen in your mouth and it takes you on a journey, like tasting wine, the terroir of the wine. It's like tasting the wine, the first little sip into your mouth is different than what it finishes. And that's the same way with oysters. And that's why they're so fun to eat. It's such an adventure for every oyster. Every oyster is different. And every time you put an oyster in your mouth and you follow kind of along with this, uh, this sensory test, if you will, it will transform you into eating oysters, I think, <laughs> a whole lot more, a whole lot better. Even if you have eaten oysters before, as I mentioned, uh, please try this exercise because it does change the experience of eating oysters. And it's just a, a fabulous way of taking you down this path of getting to like and enjoy oysters raw, naked, as we say. <laughs> Look, I just want oysters right now. Just listening to the way you describe it. I, I just want to have oysters. And I hope that people who are listening to this episode are same as, same as me. But you know what's interesting when you talk to people about oysters? They're a bit, you know, reticent to try it because the oyster is alive. And if you have a yes. dead oyster, you're going to get sick, of course. So oh, yes. maybe, you know, one of the way for those people is to try a cooked oyster. Yes, yes. Well, okay. So what you want to do, if we could just backtrack on that just a little bit, Jean-Philippe, because it is important for people to know how to, what to look for when they buy an oyster. And that is um, do the test. If an oyster is open, of course, it's dead and it'll smell and you don't want that oyster. It's dry. It's dead. You want a live oyster. The, the oyster... <laughs> It's the one thing that we eat that's, you know, alive seconds before we eat it. Um, you want it to be alive and a lot of juice and fresh. And so you can tap your oyster shells together. And if it's uh, a solid sound, you know those oysters are good. And if there's a hollow sound, then there, chances are, well, 99.9% of the time, the oyster is not edible. So you want to discard that. And sometimes that happens. And that's okay. But... Yes, for another way to introduce you into oysters is by cooking them. And so obviously you don't want to cook a bad oyster either. So that's, that test um, is the same all the way along. Even if you're going to cook them, you want to test to see that that oyster is still is alive until you shuck it. So, um, and also if you're going to bake it, sometimes you won't shuck it uh, first. Um, but you should, you should release it. Um, then you, you definitely want the oyster alive, uh, baking, of course, and eating it raw. So, um, you will, baking it is just another wonderful way to get into the oyster, of course. Uh, and you can dress it up with just a little bit of breadcrumbs and garlic and a little bit of butter, uh, parsley, some herbs, you know, and just charbroil them either on your grill or in your oven for a mere you know, half an hour, uh, very easy, very approachable. It's just like baked clams. And a lot of people, it's interesting how people don't say, oh, no, I don't like oysters, but I like clams. So I like baked clams. And I'm like, oh, well, if you like baked clams, you're going to like baked oysters. Very similar. Same with mussels when they're cooked and nice and plump. And you can also cook oysters that way, too. You can cook oysters um, just by putting them in the pan like you would mussels and let them open up. And that's a whole other experience. And it just they become these little 
you know, plump pieces of hot, you know, beautiful, uh, ready to eat oysters, a wonderful, another wonderful experience. So yeah, go ahead and try them uh, baked or steamed, uh, just like mussels. And that is a definitely another way to get people into eating oysters. And you still got, you know, your, uh, your chance at all that zinc. <laughs> and and if they are not good, will they open when you cook them? Uh, you they, them? yes, they 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 will, and that's why it's good to do. It's not like unlike um, uh, some clams that don't open. Uh, usually, the oyster will open. Now, um, y yeah, that's why you want to kind of do the tests. You want to do the tests. That's why it's really important to do that clacking test. You just clack the two oyster shells together, as you saw me do in the Marachine Bay uh, Marawa experience. You tap the oysters together, and if it's a solid sound, if you hear a hollow sound, then get rid of that oyster and do not cook them. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so once you buy them, how do you store them? How long can you keep them, you know? Yes, good question. And, you know, storing oysters, people say, oh, I got to eat them right away. And I don't know if I'm going to eat all these oysters if someone drops them off or, or, you know, you buy 24 oysters. Now, I have to say, coming oysters from Atlantic Canada, where the waters are so cold, we've done the test. Those oysters are going to last you even up to a month. I've been testing them and eating them after three, four weeks. And amazing. And they take on, sometimes they take on different flavors uh, when you still open them because those cold waters, that salinity, all the nutrients in that salinity really holds the oyster very well. So what you want to do is put them in your fridge and you want to store them and you could put them in your vegetable tray or in a box or um, on a plate, uh, some kind of little tray. You can cover them over with a damp cloth, but you don't have to, actually. You really don't have to. And I've done that test, too, where I just throw them in the, in the vegetable box, and they're there for me to pick at whenever I want them. Now, that's for predominantly the North American or Atlantic Canadian cold water oysters. And when you're, when you're getting into the, the more southern oysters, those are the ones that I like to really cook up. I also, I can, you can also eat them raw. There, there's some great oysters coming out of the South, but those waters are different. And um, you probably, the shelf life on them are a little bit less um, than, than those cold water oysters. And, you know, I don't know if anyone's done the test yet uh, for the Southern oysters, but uh, certainly a cold water oyster uh, will get you long shelf life. So go ahead and buy 24. And if you don't get to them for a few days, you are still absolutely fine with eating those oysters in another you know few days a week two weeks out if they're they're uh, a cold water oyster well that's look that's great information because i admit that on my side yeah. i thought it was only a few days after i would have i would yeah. have imagined you know weeks like that yes yeah. yes and we've yeah we've had some fun testing them it's just like on purpose like totally just letting them sit there in the fridge and pulling from them and like i said sometimes you'll get a complete, like, really robust flavor after they've been sitting there. So uh, something happens to them. So it's, it's, it's all good. And no freezing, of course. You can freeze. You, you can. can yes, oh, you wow. can actually freeze oysters. However, the texture will change. So then what you want to do is maybe cook them after you take them out of the freezer. Use them for a cooking method. Yeah, because they do change in their texture. Um, and the flavor, um, but you can absolutely freeze them. Yep. Okay. Amazing. 
Do you have any tip on how you would freeze either oysters or seafood? Because, you know, sometimes when you freeze fish, for instance, it's getting mm -hmm. a very fishy taste, but it's not yes. very good. How would you freeze uh, seafood? Sure, sure. And yeah, the whole idea is not to freeze or burn your, your, your seafood. So what I do is starting from like just last week, I cut a whole half side of salmon and I cut it all into portions. And then what I do is I wrap it, I put it in a, uh, a baggie and I suck the air because I don't have one of those, uh, you know, those machines that yep. suck the air out of, you know, um, the cry packet. So I suck the air out of the bag. Like I use a straw. And I try to get all the air out and press it down and have it nice and tight. And I also do the old-fashioned method of wrapping that bag in uh, newspaper or some kind of paper. And, you, and then you seal it, put the date on it, and you tape it, put the date on it, you know, put the name on it. So I was cutting up the salmon. So I, I labeled, you know, either the tail, the top loin or the loin. Uh, you want to put on white fillets or, and but definitely put the date on it. And you want to go, you know, um, some seafood will last longer than others. I want to say four to five weeks on freezing. Uh, you know, you're not going to buy too too much fish in advance, but you're not going to eat it, you know, too soon, like too late after, you know, if it's after a month and a half, you know, you probably want to get to that seafood already. Um, and if it's not freezer burnt and it smells okay once you've, you've thawed it, uh, then you go ahead and put it into, you know, use it, uh, fry it up, whatever you want to do. But that's a really good way I, uh, to, to freezing, to freezing seafood. Um, and the shells, same thing put a bunch of shells in a bag suck the air out of it and just put them into the into the freezer just in in the baggie uh yeah so that that layer of paper over top of your baggie also adds a, um, a layer of insulation and it helps from the freezer burn so um just you know and really tightly uh wrap the paper and put some tape over it or something and then a little label on it and you and you'll be all set and it's nice because you can just lay it nice and flat in your freezer and uh, i encourage people to buy you know nice pieces of, of of fish especially if it's on sale and it's fresh and it just came in from the fishmonger like cod or yeah. fluke or you know swordfish or whatever uh, yeah totally buy it you know buy a bigger piece and then cut it up and then put it in your freezer for later look yeah. that's That's great. Uh, thank you very much for this tip. And, and you know what is really interesting is the way you named, in fact, the different parts of a salmon that is similar to a steak. In fact, you know, yes. so that, that's very funny, in fact, because a lot of people are just going to say, hey, I'm going to have a piece of salmon. And yes. besides the tail, uh, they may not know after the rest of the, the different parts. Yes, and I'm about to post something about that uh, particular subject and, and show, demonstrate the different parts of, of the salmon and what you can use them for. Yeah. And, and I know that, so, you, you also love lobster. <laughs> so, so, tell me a yeah. bit more about lobster. Yes. Well, um, 
it's a much surprise. In my, I teach lobster master classes and lobster you know, lobster pop ups and lobster one hundred ones, and and in those classes, people are flabbergasted when you tell them that Atlantic Canada produces the most what we call the the generic name, the the genesis name, the science name is Homerus americanus, Omar americanus, and it. Uh, Nova Scotia is the leader in producing, and New Brunswick is the leader in processing. Now, I could get into all of that, but I won't, I won't on this podcast. But given that I was brought up in Atlantic Canada, once again, they are the leaders in producing Homerus americanus, predominantly the hard-shell lobster. That means a full-meated lobster. Uh, so being brought up in that means so... Just really quick, as part of the Lobster 101, we have zones in Canada, and the fishermen can only sh- uh, can only fish in those zone areas when they're permitted to by the government, as opposed to in Maine, they fish lobster all year round, which is one of the reasons they get that new shell lobster, where the lobster hasn't really grown into the shell yet. But Canada only wants to um, process and harvest the hard shell those what we call the premium uh full meated lobster so that you'll get the full meat all the time and they ship much better like to europe um and 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 to, to asia places like that these are the things that we discuss in the lobster lobster master class and so being brought up on lobster which used to be a poor man's lunch as we know um it's become a rich rich person's lunch <laughs> but uh, everything in moderation and we use lobster as a celebration uh birthdays and anniversaries and christmas and you name it but uh it's it's just been a part of my life and so i decided i took a lobster ma- lobster went to the lobster academy there's an actual lobster academy in new brunswick and i was i'm a graduate and the professor Dr. Bob Baer, from previously the director of the Lobster Institute of Maine, and he's a scientist. Oh, my God, he's fascinating. And he teaches you everything about lobster, the lobster life cycle, how they mate, how they grow, uh, where they, you know, the differences between the male and the female, of course. And then uh, now we've got innovation with lobster products. And not only that, the lobster hemocyanin, lobster blood, is giving us amazing uh, products, and also they're using it for science, for science research. For and he thinks it could be lobster hemocyanin could be a uh, COVID nineteen treatment because of the high potency of antioxidant uh, um, for virus. They use it on viruses, and they use they're now doing cancer research with uh, lobster hemocyanin. So there's all of this research being done, and we talk about it in the lobster masterclass, and just coming up September second. Well, I'll mention that after. Uh, it's just they're just fascinating creatures, <laughs> crustaceans, I should say, and there's just so many things you can do with lobster. So uh, I just got right into. Uh, being a graduate of the Lobster Academy, I started doing the lobster master classes, and people just love it. Uh, you know, because you get all of the lore, history, the the upbringing of lobster, the sustainability, especially, and then some recipes to go along with that. Which most of the time, people, you know, we love. I think uh, that might be one of your questions, Texas, to find out how I love, how much, you know, which way I love the lobster the best. And that is absolutely hot and just boiled or steamed, uh, just coming out of the pot and, 
and in front of you. And I love getting into it, you know, rolling up the sleeves and really shucking the lobster and getting into it. So it's, uh, and it's also really good if you just cut it right down the middle and then you grill it on the grill with a little uh, garlic butter or an anchovy butter. So I'm getting so hungry. No, I know. <laughs> just and thinking about all this. <laughs> you know, it's the way I like it is with uh, clarified butter. Mm-hmm. That's really, really good. And ju- just one thing, you know, I was thinking when you were talking about the fact that it used to be a poor man's meal. In fact, mm-hmm. in the U.S., in the first part of the 20th century, they used to serve that in prisons. It used to be the That's right. prisons. That's right. That's right. And uh, I'm going to be talking about that in, in Lobster Book coming out in 2022. <laughs> uh, that's on the horizon as well. But yes, um, that used to be served to the prisoners. And then... Uh, kind of, it kind of just got connotated in the sailors, and it, you know, it's like this is this is our our lunch, and then they got tired of it, and it was like we don't want that anymore. <laughs> and then canning lobster came into play, and then processing, more processing, uh, came into play as well. So a lot of history, lots of really interesting history, and also like how many lobster fisher women there are now. They're, they're really, really gaining speed, uh, you know, young women wanting to, you know, going out with their dads and their family on the boat and now learning how to be lobster fisherwomen. And it's, it's very exciting. Yeah, no, that's great. And, and, you know, one thing, I guess it's also a culture in France, when you tell people that you're going to have a lobster roll, people look at you as if you had three heads because they're like... <laughs> What? Because, you know, lobster is considered such a delicacy that they're like, what? Ah, yes. You're making a sandwich with lobster. <laughs> and in, in fact, a few years ago, I think it's Ralph Lauren who opened a, a restaurant in, in Paris in one of the stores. And he was serving lobster rolls. And it was uh-huh. in the press because people were shocked about that. Oh, my God. That is so funny. I can just imagine too, because you know it is a delicacy, and I'm sure. And the French, obviously, we look up to the French for our cuisine uh, background and sauces and beautiful presentation, and just uh, they must. It must have been funny. What you're gonna make? And you know they have now they have the lobster BLT. Oh, that must be. <laughs> can I imagine? It's so good. It's so yeah. good. No, it is, and I can tell you, uh, usually when I have people visiting, I bring them to get a lobster roll, and then they understand. You know, they don't criticize anymore what's being done to the lobster. They they really love it. So, um, yeah. You know, another seafood, because we, we talk about uh, shellfish with oysters. Another one that yes. I really like, but we often mm. see on TV, that is also difficult to uh, to cook. Uh, when I watch Top Chef, uh, for mm-hmm. instance, or Hell's Kitchen, people are always in trouble when they try to cook scallops. <laughs> oh yes, okay, that's a, that's a good topic. I'm glad you mentioned that. Uh, yes, okay, I can give you a few quickie tips on buying and cooking scallops yes number one thing that they do jean-philippe is we know that they overcook scallops and most seafood 
And that can happen in a heartbeat. It can happen within seconds, right? So the test that I do, first of all, when you're buying scallops, you do not want to buy scallops that are pure white. I would run from those scallops. <laughs> scallops should be pinkish, grayish in color. Okay, and then if you kind of get a chance to put them up close to your nose, you will smell the sweetness of scallops. That's the smell you want to smell, the ocean sweetness. Oftentimes what happens if you see a white, white scallop in a package, run, run, run. They've used way too much polytriphosphate, which is the curing uh, solution. It's a chemical that they put on not only scallops, but whitefish as well and shrimp. Uh, and so when you look at buying scallops now, you'll see sometimes on the sign it says dry scallops. That means signs without, without the, the chemicals, without the, the solution, we say, <laughs> the chemicals to keep them, if you will. And by all means, if you have a good fishmonger, that should not be happening. They shouldn't be buying those kind, those oysters because they're going to sell them a lot and you're going to get them home. Fat. You know, it's not, I, there are a number of restaurants that buy them. Uh, and I won't say exactly, you know, what kind of restaurants, but we can imagine. And those are the restaurants that put a lot of sauces on top of them and try to hide them and this and that. There's all kinds of, you know, little tricks that people do with food. Well, that's one of them. And you don't know what kind of scallop it was to start with, basically, when you've had it covered and dosed in all kinds of sauces. But so when you buy them, look for that gray pinkish color, look for and and smell it for a nice sweet smell. Now, preparing the scallop, I always start with a crudo tasting, which will tell you that the oyster, I mean, the, the scallop is so sweet, delicious and fresh, fresh, fresh is by slicing one diver scallop into three or four slices Allow your friends to taste them naked, if you will, which means just, just as they are, or with a little tiny sprinkle of salt or a little shaving of uh, or, um, uh, lemon zest. Or then you, then you graduate and you, put, you know, do a little, um, uh, what do I call it, the horseradish shaving on them. Like just play with them. Now, once your friends have tasted them in this capacity, you can now tell them, listen, I'm going to now sear a couple of scallops and I'm going to sear them for one minute on each side on a medium high heat and a little bit of high heat taking oil. OK, you put that on the table and you have them slice into it with a fork, obviously, because they're going to be so tender. That scallop is still going to be so juicy and tender. It's going to be fabulous. You do not. So. Once you've taken the test that you can eat these scallops, these fresh scallops raw as they are, then you know you do not have to cook these over, overcook these. Don't walk away. That's the rule. Do not walk away from your seafood on on the stove. Uh, that's a that's a big rule when when we're talking about cooking seafood because it does cook so fast, a lot faster than a, like a, a chicken breast, or if you will. But And it's forgiving if it is fresh. We know we can eat it sashimi style, crudo style, um, just wonderful. So if, that's a, if that enlightens you, 
and your and your listeners on scouts. I think, <clears throat> excuse me, that uh, I'm glad that I can I can give you that because uh, that's a big one, and it's really nice to see friends' faces light up when they bite into that scallop that's just been seared for one minute each side, or even going through that little, um, you know, that sashimi t- tasting. Yeah, and you know one part of the scallop that. <laughs> I found only in one restaurant, but unfortunately closed, uh, that was uh, owned by uh, two Irish, an Irish couple. It's the raw, oh. you know, the raw, because in Europe, the you would eat the raw. But yes. I remember it was in, uh, in an event in that restaurant, and a lot of people were like, what is that? And, and not really, how to say you know, they were a, a bit scared to try it when, in fact, for me, it was, yeah. like, oh, that's great. So are you eating mm. the roll? Do you eat the roll? Oh, yes. I'm with you. I'm with you. Definitely. The roll is sometimes sweeter than the scallop. So if you get a chance to try the roll, if you know that the restaurant you're going to has fresh scallops in the shell and they haven't bought them shucked already, if you will, that chances are the roll is there ask them for the whole thing and as a matter of fact they probably want to serve it to you that way i think but a lot of times they don't because they you know consumers are used to just seeing that beautiful white or nice light you know the skull itself and the row (laughs) the chef is eating the row in the back (laughs) (laughs) or adding it to a recipe if you if you will that that's really fun too um yeah the row is so delicious don't shy away now the lobster place sells them whole i find them there a lot uh in chelsea market you can buy a whole and so go go there and watch them they'll shuck it for you in front of you at their their stand-up bar and you can have it you know you'll have the row as well it's just fabulous just fabulous yeah no the lobster place in chelsea market is is great for uh Mm. seafood and uh, they even have sea urchin that is something where Mm. It became really, I mean, a few years ago, it became the, the big thing to have sea urchin uh, in many, many different ways, whether it's with pasta, with ramen. So what, what do you mm. think about sea urchin? Oh, well, uh, it's an acquired taste, eh, Jean-Philippe? You know, uh, when people taste the sea urchin, they either like it or they don't like it at That's all because... True. It's, if you will, there are there are some seafood pieces that are that will be more gamey, and that is one one that I would describe as more gamey, and so you know, and even up to the nose. But it's a different experience if you go through that sensation test that I was telling you about with the oyster. You can kind of you know work your way towards it. Um, indulge it's beautiful it's great uh and you know it's fun to crack them open if you if you get a a, a live one but it, you know people don't quite get into sea urchin like first of all they have to get into sea urchin and then to have a, a a live one is different you're probably someone that really would love love seafood and you have a lot of seafood um uh, they're fun to play with and fun to crack open and the this the sea urchin the the uh uni carbon um carbonara oh i think that's what you're talking about with the pasta dish yeah oh my god <laughs> that is so over the top it's so delicious last place i had that was tocqueville restaurant on uh, it's now Tocqueville, 15 East Tocqueville. 
and it's so amazing. I think they have an uni. I think they have an uni flight right now, which I'm dying to try. <laughs> so it's sea urchin flight, I should say. Uh, that's what they call it on the menu. So uh, if you're in into it, if you're up for it, go there and you, like you probably you thought of that maybe from the lobster place as well. They have they'll crack them open for you. You just need a little bit of lemon. Uh, oh yeah. So, but how do you like your sea urchin? Well, you know, when I was a kid, we we used to buy them and to crack them open. Oh. You know, we have a little uh, tool to crack them open. And yeah. then, you know, we had very small spoons so we could take sea mm -hmm. urchin, you know, out of the sh that shell. I guess you call that a yeah. shell. Yeah. Uh, and we were eating that with uh, a little bit of uh, lemon juice. Mm-hmm. Without anything else, you know, not with pasta or stuff like that. It was because I used to live south of France, so there we had oh. quite a lot of seafood. And yes. I don't even remember. I was really a kid when I, I really uh, tried sea urchin. But it's funny that it really became something. It's like bone marrow, you know, uh, suddenly. Uh, uh -huh. It's becoming the thing that every, everyone wants to eat. Yes, yes, like a little a food trend kind of thing. Yes, yep. yeah. On on the, you must have you must have had amazing seafood coming from the south of France. Oh, I'm so jealous. <laughs> well, you know, when you can go to the south of France, you'll see the seafood is is fantastic. Mm. I mean, there's other seafood, huh? oysters, for example. It's going to be more. Uh, on the west side, you know, in, in uh, what we call Brittany, Bretagne, yes. uh, where you have yes. oysters there. But uh, now the seafood is, is really good. But I have to say here, you find really uh, good places for that. And, and maybe, yeah. you know, you mentioned the, the lobster place. Do, do you have mm -hmm. any other, you know, your favorite locations to uh, have seafood in the city? Ah, yes, to eat seafood, to, to sit down and eat, yeah. Well, Docks is my go-to seafood place, because they have a great selection of oysters, and especially the uh, Canadian oysters, actually. So that's a great place to, to go for all kinds of seafood. And it's a beautiful room, as you were in there. It's a nice bistro. It's one of the oldest, longest-standing seafood restaurants in New York now. Oh, wow. uh, Doc's, Doc's Oyster Bar, yeah. So, you know, I love love supporting them, and they happen to be in my neighborhood. Um, so that's one. But Oceans, that opened on Park Avenue, what a beautiful room. Uh, they opened just before COVID hit. I felt so bad for them. Uh, but they are up and running, and it's a gorgeous room, and they have beautiful, uh, beautiful seafood. It's one of those places where you can see the seafood on display, and you have the open kitchen, kind of like the Greek places, which I was going to make and mention some of the Milos is also. I just love being able to go and see my seafood and see it picked out, and then they go cook it. That's just, you know, next, that's just the best. Yep. <laughs> the best, um, as you can relate. And then Seafire Grill, Grand Central Oyster Bar, also very good. Uh, yeah, these are, these are wonderful, wonderful, uh, you know, seafood restaurants to go to. And then it's a little different. If I want to buy seafood on my own, uh, I oftentimes, well, I have a fishmonger that brings me fish from the Fulton Fish Market, but I oftentimes will, if I'm on the Upper East Side, I go to Dorian's Seafood Market. Uh, one of the, I think it's she's the, uh, she, I think it's the only, only seafood market that's owned by a woman. 
and uh, lobster place, of course, in Chelsea Market, Italy, El Pesce is a great place to buy uh, uh, seafood as well. Yeah. And so I, I, I have to ask, is there any seafood mm -hmm. you do not eat? <laughs> well, you know, I haven't traveled all extensively all over the world, but uh, no. <laughs> okay. And, you know, I, would, I just don't, I can't even, I'm trying to think of why I wouldn't or, you know, I absolutely would try everything. And then, you know, decide if I really don't like it. But I can't imagine. It's just like if something comes from the ocean or a lake or, you know, it's usually, you know, and fresh. It's just usually, yeah. So I, there hasn't been anything so far. <laughs> but I'll let you know. <laughs> All right. So maybe the only one that I suggest you try is the sea cucumber. Yes. Yeah, I tried that. Oh. I, I think that's the one I tried <laughs> when I was in India where I was like, mm, no, thank you. I tried you it. Don't... I don't like it. Oh. Why don't you like it? I don't. What's the your... texture was really, I, I did not really like the yeah. texture. And the taste, yeah. uh, I, I don't know, it did not really appeal to me. Yeah, that's that's one that people sometimes... Yeah, it's it's just too much for them to take. But I, if you accent it in certain ways, maybe how did you taste it? Was it mixed with something, or like how was it presented to you? Well, it was a long time to be honest. I don't remember exactly how they uh, cooked it. Like, yeah, it's yeah. true that look, it's, it's the same discussion we had before with uh, oysters. Maybe the way they serve it to me was not great, and if I try it today, you know, it's going to be uh, much better. Yeah, yeah, maybe you can, maybe someone can convert you. <laughs> like yeah, I have, you know, it's like, <laughs> yeah. um, but yeah, so we'll have to, we'll have to try that together sometime and see if we can find the best, like now you're going to make me want to find the best places for sea cucumbers so I can pass it on to you. <laughs> I wonder, you know, I would not be surprised if they have it in Chinatown. Oh, yes, so of course. Yes, I've seen it. To find it. Yep. Little yeah. challenge for you. <laughs> so, so you you you're giving classes. You have different events. Do you mm -hmm. want to uh, tell us the in the coming weeks or months? Yes, of course. Thank you. Um, so, I guess the next thing coming up, the next fun big thing coming up, is the Lobster Masterclass, and it's free uh, on September second. And you can find that information on my Instagram profile in uh, in the bio. And uh, the All Canadian Oyster Festival is coming up November 20th at Doc's Oyster Bar in Manhattan. Now, that hasn't been posted yet. Uh, the tickets for sale, they'll go pretty fast, probably even more so this year. Um, but that'll, you know, to stay in touch on that, Doc's Oyster Bar in Manhattan, you can, you know, follow them or follow, follow me or the Canadian Oyster Festival New York uh, on Facebook. You can just if you google it uh or just follow just keep following and we'll post and we'll be posting it probably uh in september i would think the end of august first of september yeah okay so that that's very good definitely have to look into that so we can find you on instagram yeah instagram's probably the best at this time because my website is uh being uh, being um under construction, if you ask, being updated. So I think the best place to stay in touch with me and DM me at Michael Ann Rowe, 
M-I-C-H-A-E-L hyphen A-N-N-R-O-W-E on Instagram or Facebook. Uh, you can message me uh, to stay in touch that way. That's the best way at this time. All right. I don't know if you want to add anything, but personally, I had a great time talking to you. A lot of very useful information. I really need to have seafood uh, very soon because you made me hungry. <laughs> I'm so glad I could do that for you. <laughs> and your your posts are great. I love looking at your food food posts on Instagram. And, and this has been a wonderful chat. If any anytime I can share more seafood education with people, uh, it's a happy day. Thank you very much, Michael Ann. Thank you, mm -hmm. Michael, and All right. Thank you, you so much for having me. Bye-bye. Thank you for being with us. So that's it for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Feel free to reach out to me if you have any question, comment, or suggestion at jp at adjustwanttoeat.com and check out the blog at www.adjustwanttoeat.com. À bientôt. Au revoir.